Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. Well, Jesse, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, the sun's out. It's supposed to be a warm day. I'm, I'm excited to be in Oregon. Yeah, it's warm. I think it's going to be in the 90s. So uh, hopefully uh, you've got some AC there. Why don't we jump right into it? Why don't we start off with a little bit about uh, how you got into the sales profession? Well, I, I think I could probably go on for 30 minutes on that one. So uh, I'll try and I try try to do the highlights here. Uh, so you know, if you if you really go back to, I would say high school days, I was always a sports and competitive person. Growing up, uh, even before that, on the tournament teams, and uh, really just I guess my whole life was around winning and playing sports and being competitive. And you know, of course, there's the school aspect of getting good grades so that you can continue playing and not in trouble with the parents. So uh, you know, I, I think from there and then. When I got to the next phase, which was college, I really like that all went away, the winning. I mean, I didn't play college sports. Uh, I wasn't really interested in intramural because I thought it was just like, you know, the guys going and running around. It wasn't really competitive. And I was good at math in high school and PE. So I wasn't going to be a PE teacher. And that math thing was like, all right, I guess I'll do engineering because there was construction involved. And I had friends, uh, friends, parents that around the construction industry more on a on an ownership level so they had big machineries and dirt bike tracks and you know the cool stuff i was like oh, i could do that right so i went down the path of engineering in college and uh quickly realized that the business students had a lot more fun than the engineering students <laughs> in college but you know a lot of those business students was going into sales and you know it, it was the first time in my life too that i got around a pretty diverse set of of people, you know, men and women that, uh, you know, came from different backgrounds. I came from a small town of Kaiser, Oregon, Kaiser, Salem. I mean, it's not that diversified. And most of the people either worked for, you know, a small business around town or, or the, or the state, like, uh, you know, or the hospital. So income wise, everyone's pretty, you know, in a, in a similar bubble. Uh, I got to college and I got around like crazy true wealth, which blew my mind, you know, like uh, fraternity brothers that were billionaires, like their parents were billionaires and millionaires. And I'm like, whoa, like this is, you know, life's a lot bigger. And so I wasn't going to turn back. Like I'm a finisher. So when I start something, I finish it. So I finished schooling in four years with my engineering degree and a minor in business. I went straight into working for Turner Construction, which is a large um, top five largest construction companies in the world. My first internship before I graduated, I realized that this wasn't the job or the career for me. But again, I'm a finisher. I'm going to go do this. And so I was like, hey, if I got that uh, degree that says engineer, I can go figure this out after I get a job and whatnot. So I got in, uh, you know, was an engineer slash uh, moved my way to project management. Really was there for five years for, for working for Turner Construction out of college. So for me, that was, you know, a long time uh, and that stint. But the, the behind the scenes is that for two and a half years of that, I was interviewing to get into sales. 
Like that's, that's the crazy thing is that, so about two and a half years into working as a, as an engineer, project manager, I got around a couple individuals that were in sales, uh, you know, and they, I met them through my, my sister who were friends with them. And I was like, you have money, you have a good marriage, you got kids, like you have pretty like an autonomous schedule. I'm like, what do you guys do? And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm in sales. I'm like, what, what do you mean you're in sales? And, and both of them happen to be in um, office supply sales. So printers, copiers, phones, you know, uh, stuff like that, which was a different world for me. Um, but I was at the time working at uh, Salem Hospital as a in construction. And I also knew a couple of people that were in medical sales. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to get into medical sales because and I know the hospital grounds. I know those guys make a lot of money <laughs> and, uh, you know, it seems like a pretty interesting role. Uh, and so really through mentorship, getting around the right people is how I got into sales. Um, at the same time, I was introduced to a business that was in network marketing called Amway and the worldwide group. Um, so that, it, I guess, mentorship and introduction into owning a business. Now, and a lot of people think different things around that industry and, and by true nature, but if you get around the right people and it's a really legit business model, you learn how to grow own business and also sales. So I just, you took that mindset mentality. I was like, how do I take that into the world of sales? And so it took me two and a half years, but I finally got into medical sales. And uh, from there, it was a whole mind blowing improvement from a career in engineering, working 15 at 50 hours a week. And they would joke that that's half a week, hundred is a full, full week. And uh, you know, getting paid salary, like, so the more I work, the less I actually made in essence on an hourly basis. And then all of a sudden I get into sales. I'm like, the more I work, the more I get paid. And like, it gets accelerators and like, all the, I'm like, this is, this is the life for me. Like I'm winning, I'm competitive. I want, you know, I, I, I it's fun to me. So that's, I guess, how I got into sales and uh, it wasn't an easy road, but when I got there, I, I just used personal development to really dig in and succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sales is a beautiful thing. And, you know, what's interesting there is you, uh, you were seeking it out. So you knew you got the engineering degree, you were seeking out sales, took a little bit of time. I'm really curious about the, uh, the Amway piece of it. So, you know, you, I think you and I had talked earlier, you did that for about six years and actually had built up a pretty good business generating some really nice annual income from that business that, you know, then all went to basically it all crumbled once the pandemic hit because nobody could go meet with anybody, do anything, sell anything in people's homes and so on. But I'm curious, how did your experience doing that impact how you sold business to business professionally in your uh, W-2 career? It it 100% correlated uh, because, you know, if you think of sales and I guess the traditional stigma of sales, like, oh, you're in sales, you're that used car salesman or whatever, right? Like, well, if you're that used car salesman, again, I'm not trying to make bad there, but you're probably not that good at what we do in sales and software or tech sales because it doesn't work. We're not transactional. There's a, there's a lot of pieces to our, our sales process. Same exact thing if you took that into the Amway profession. And I actually learned it from Amway first. Um, they taught... Uh, you know, uh, really how to go into meetings, have a whole process. And we, we used a four to five set process to put someone through an evaluation process or a learning process to learn about Amway business with worldwide group to really vet out one, if they're going to be serious. And two, if I'm going to waste my time or spend my time with them because they weren't paying me, right? Like the, the only thing 
that that business actually operates is if they're successful, then I'm successful. If they're not, then I'm not, right? And so in that relationship of financial, I guess, connection is that I really vetted out or really interviewed the people that I wanted to work with. And so it's really the same thing in software sales. I mean, I'm not vetting out the people I want to work with in this aspect, but it is a process that we, you know, I call the last four or five years, maybe longer, seven years, the challenger sale, which is teach, tailor, and take control. But they were already teaching me that in Worldwide Group and Amway, which is the teach, tailor, take control, but we didn't call it the challenger sale, right? Ultimately, we didn't say we were salesmen in, in Amway, you know, it was more leadership, mentorship, but it was so similar that I was like, I just need to transition this into sales. And that's why I was seeking out sales when I, because I was started Amway, I was still working as an engineer at Turner. I was like, I need to use these skills. I'm learning these skills and I'm not getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm, I think I've shared this on earlier uh, podcast interviews, but uh, you know, my first, uh, my first sales job was doing the uh, Cutco cutlery, selling knives, going home to home, doing that. And uh, again, it's it's transactional, but what I learned about owning your own business, having to self-motivate yourself when you don't want to do it, having to get on the phone, call referrals, set up appointments. Initially for me, that was terrifying. But you know, I I learned a little bit of, you know, just self-management, which then carried me, carried me on in my in my own sales career. So you think about what you're doing there, like you just learned to be self-disciplined or, you know, accountable to yourself or whatever that is that like just carries through. Well, so talk to me a little bit. Uh, you mentioned sales process. So, so fast forward a little bit. Now you've been working, been in sales, been in sales leadership. Um, when you think about a sales process and what you do now or some of the other roles, um, what are some of the key components in your sales process that have just traditionally have led to success? Yeah, I mean, there's really, to me, the sales process, one, you have to understand it. So, for me, I'm a pretty simple visual person. So you can take any sales medic, challenger, whatever, and there's some good sales and pieces of each. And then you got to find what fits within, within you. But again, it's all about the simplicity or, and not making it complex so that you can understand it. You know, so for me, it's always about an agenda, an upfront contract. You know, an upfront contract is setting the stage of like, Whatever that agenda is, when we're done, I'm either going to say we're not moving forward because it doesn't fit, or you're, you can tell me, you know, it's setting the stage. Um, and then being able, I think a, a big piece is being able to throughout that meeting, most meetings we take an hour, hour to two hours with a, with a prospect is being able to pull out their critical business issues and then find what that next action plan is, right? What that next step is. And I think a lot of sellers miss that piece, or they're not able to pull out what that next piece is to drive this forward. They're, they they might get to the end of the meeting and be like, wow, that was, that was a great meeting, Mr. Customer. We got boom, 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 boom. What would you like to do next? That's not the question. The question is, here's what we're going to do next, right? It's not a question. It's a statement. Do you agree or not, right? And I think a lot of sellers just either miss that part or they're still learning how to build that into their conversation during the meeting. Yeah. So you want to naturally pull that out during the conversation. Um, so Jesse, what are, um, what are some examples or maybe, I guess, things that maybe you do to pull out those specific, 
next steps or customer committed action items during the call? Yeah, I mean, for, for one, you got to be prepared. So you go into that meeting 100% prepared, both on the, the person and the company and the situation of the opportunity so that you already have a predefined next step that you think, right? If you're going into a discovery meeting, most likely your next step's a demo, but hey, maybe it's not. So you got to be able to pivot and just not be rigid. Um, you know, same thing, demo, what's after a demo? Well, maybe it's a technical demo or maybe it's an IT assessment or or maybe it's pricing, you know? like And so you got to be predefined and, and organized so that you're ready for that next step. Um, and then I think the other part of that is I use like, I, I, I look at over here because I'm using a different computer, but my monitor has five questions taped to it. And they're just, it's simple that I can ask almost every meeting. And it's, you know, Mr. Buyer, what, what's your buying process, timelines to get around that? You know, why are you considering the solution? You know, what, what could possibly stall this out? Who's all involved in this decision, right? So it's questions that you can ask, but it's about how you ask them so that they keep the guard down and also keep more people involved. Because most time in our organizations, we're not selling to just one person. We're selling to decision-making units, right? And executive buyers. And you can't just be like, well, are you the, are you the final signer? Should I be talking to you or not? I'm like, you can't do that, right? Like, hey, who's all involved? Like, you got a, you got a big company. You, you might be making this decision all by yourself, but is there anyone else involved in that? You know, oh, yeah, yeah, I, you know, and then they list out four or five people. So uh, it's one thing to take the teaching. It's another thing to apply it to a situation that is conversational. Too. Yeah, I, uh, I actually have a, a solo episode coming up uh, similar to that to that topic. It's talking about finding the pain, but, uh, you know, the big you know, I think a real key component to successfully doing that is the ability to be curious in how you ask your questions. And, you know, you don't always have to have an agenda every time you ask a question, right? I mean, sometimes you're asking a question and, and you know, you don't know where it's going to go, but, you know, what you're trying to do is uncover more information so you can un- uncover deeper business pain, maybe people that you didn't know about, maybe things that could positively or negatively impact your deal, but sometimes you know you go in so much with a with a, a preset agenda. You know you know what you want, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> it's what does the customer want? What problems are they having? And that's what you really have to kind of fixate around. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think now in the in the space that I'm in uh, with environmental health and safety, with a ESG environmental social governance, it's certainly a newer space for me, and it's so it's it's so so wide. So that genuine curiosity, I'm, I'm asking. Uh, with my reps, with customers, I generally am like, what did you just say? Like, what are you talking about? Like, there was no agenda to that other than I just wanted to learn. But a lot of times me doing that actually uncovers like, oh, that was really important to them. I missed that because I had no idea what they're talking about because I used, you know, four acronyms in one sentence. But. <laughs> uh, the world of acronyms. Before we jump into the topic, I wanted to let you know that we just launched a monthly drawing for one of our insulated high-tech freedom tumblers. Now, I've been sending these out as a thank you gift to each of our guests, and the response has been great. You know, everyone has a full-size coffee cup, a Yeti, or whatever brand that they might use, but not everybody has the small tumbler that you can put your wine or beverage of choice in. And they're great for the deck, beach, camping, or just, you know, just keeping your drink warm or cold. Now, I'm not selling these, but I am excited about them. So we decided to offer these up to the loyal podcast listeners by doing a monthly drawing. So if you're interested, go to hightechfreedom.com 
forward slash mug, that's M-U-G, and you'll see a picture of the tumbler and you can enter. We'll just collect your name, phone number, and email. And if you do win, we'll then follow up and ask for your mailing address so we know where to send it. If you don't win, your name stays in so you don't need to re-enter. Well, so Jesse, we might have touched on a few of these, but when you think about uh, some of the people that you've worked with, some of your team members or reps that you've managed, some of the top performers, what are you seeing right now that separates the top 10, 20% of uh, reps from the rest of the pack? I think there's a, there's a few aspects that separate them. Uh, one is we already touched on that, and that's that self-discipline. I certainly am not a micromanager. I'm not calling my reps on a daily you know, basis just to check in on certain aspects. So they're, they're driving their deals forward by their own self-discipline. Um, I think they have a really good ability to have a challenger sale, which, you know, where you call a challenger or just say they know how to teach, tailor, and then take control of that evaluation by having that plan in place and being able to adjust and or pivot when needed because it's ultimately up to the customer, but you still have to drive it. Right. Um, you, you can put that customer in the passenger seat, but you're still driving it. And then I think lastly is creating it simple, but making sure they have all the information, making sure that they can get all the information in that evaluation out to them uh, because confused buyers don't buy. And I think one thing that I taught, you know, my first sales team is I went into it, they were underperforming and I realized that a lot of them were confused. They were confused going into maybe an ROI meeting or, or a proposal meeting. I'm like, how are you confused on the price? How are you going to go sell this if you are confused right now? And I saw that so much. And I'm like, so what I learned is that I, through coaching, is that every time I went in as an individual seller, I sold it to myself and I got like mentally or, you know, bought into the deals like, oh no, I, you know what? I could, I can see why they'd buy this now. So that's how I got it simple or mental buy-in. And so I start teaching my reps like, hey, if you can't sell this to yourself, there's no way you're selling it to a prospect or a customer. Like it's just not happening. And so I think those are the four four things I think that separate them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> if you're not buying into it, if you're not believing it, if you're not confident, that's going to show through with your with your customer. How can you be enthusiastic and passionate about something, you know, in front of the customer if you don't, if you don't feel it? Yeah. So well, uh, Jesse, you've you've been working now for a little while. Uh, you're still earlier in your career, at least relative to me. Um, if you were to go back and yeah, if you were to go back and look at your maybe talk to the uh, younger Jesse ten years ago, if you were to tell him to do something different, something better, what what career advice would you give yourself? Oh man, this one actually like hurts me. <laughs> it still does because so I love like literally love everything that I learned from the Amway worldwide business truly had like it changed my whole entire trajectory of my life. But one thing that they just were not honed in on or like they really strayed away from was real estate. And I, you know, at the time I was coming out of college, it was 2022, sorry, uh, 2012. So I was 22 years old. I was making 60, 70 grand as an engineer. Yeah. I had crazy student loans. Um, but you know, I was living, you know, with four other guys in a rental. I totally could have saved and put money into a house. And at that time in 2012, 2013, 2014, you still were buying houses that were three bedroom, two bath, 1500 square feet for less than uh, 200 grand yeah. or right around there, at least where, where I live. And I had probably three friends that did that, you know, one like 
two were police officers. One was, you know, something else. Like, again, not making crazy amount of money, but they just had, they had enough to get in. And I'm like, I so could have done that. And then I wish it would have took off my trajectory on the real estate. Cause I always wanted to be in real estate, but I just really put a pause on it because I was, uh, really focused on getting in sales and, and also focused on, um, you know, the Amway business. So, you know, maybe doing too much, but I, in general, Amway really didn't want to cater. They wanted to cater to the masses and a lot of people weren't in that same situation to me as far as some teachings. So I wish I would have just, you know, I guess take the blinders off and, and dove into real estate way sooner in my career, for sure. Yeah, you know, it's hard because if uh, if an early career person hasn't been exposed to different ideas, you know, it's hard for you to see 20, 30 years down the road on how things could be different. And, you know, that is so, you know, I've been doing real estate for 20 plus years and it's one of the beauties of real estate is, you know, long term, it's a great way to build wealth, but you have to be thinking long term. And there's a lot of people out there that want to jump in and do something quick and get rich quick. And, you know, it just never works out for the most part. So if any if anybody if you're interested as a listener in learning more about real estate, you know, drop me a note. You can go to uh, our website hightechfreedom.com, connect up with me there. We have a newsletter um, that I send out, you know, every week or two weeks about different real estate topics. So you can check that out. Well, Jesse, so as you were progressing through your career, what about um, you know, as you were moving up the ranks within different companies, any lessons learned around around building your brand, building your personal brand, you know, kind of moving up to that next step of uh, sales leadership? Yeah. I, you know, I, I got a good, good story and a bad one, I guess. And as far as my personal brand. Uh, so I, as I mentioned early on, is that my first actual sales job was in medical sales. And so I was in the OR every day, 6am. And I was actually teaching doctors how to use devices or medical devices on patients for the first time. Right. So that's a whole different world than this high tech or, you know, software sales world. So actually, when I got that job, I came from construction again. I was in behind my computer all day, emailing, you know, 100, 200 emails a day, 50 calls a day. I went from that to they didn't even give me a computer in medical sales. They're like, here's your iPad. We'll pay for your cell phone bill. You need to be in the OR every single day. So I went from like that 100 emails a day on minimum to like 10. So, and it was like all hands on deck sales reps at this company was, uh, if I needed something and I was out in the field, AKA I was in the hospital and I needed something, I text my boss, I tech product support. And like, I had it fast. Like it was like, again, we were all hands on deck for salespeople because it was also urgent a lot of times too. Um, so that was my first sales experience. And then I, I was like, okay. And the only reason I left, I love medical sales by all means, but I was living in central Oregon, Bend, Oregon. And all my hospitals were about three to five hours away from each other. So to be in hospitals every single day uh, means you have to travel and you can't, you know, just do that drive every morning. So I was, I traveled over 250 nights a year doing that and being uh, newly married, it just wasn't going to work out if I wanted to stay in Ben. I could live in Portland, but I didn't want to do that either. So anyway, so then I transitioned to software sales and my first company there was in Ben. It was, uh, you know, uh, the second largest employer, but software sales in Ben. And I jumped in, I was like, instantly got in. I was like, whoa, what am I in for? This company that just sold, like there was a lot of stuff going on. You know, I wouldn't say startup, but you know, I, I was going to make sales. Like it was totally different. I was flying people out to people. I was hitting the phones, the emails, you know, back to that grind. Um, but then, you know, when I sold a deal, like I needed something or 
in the sales process. I needed something and I was like expecting all hands on deck for salesmen. And it was like, who are you? (laughs) We don't just give you anything, right? I mean, they do, but it was totally a different world of sales. And my expectation was here from medical to go into software sales. And it was a great company. I honestly, I still work with a handful of people from that company, really, really good people. But I certainly ruined my brand there, I would say, because I was, uh, came in with a, I guess, uh, an attitude that was like, sales is gold here. You, if I need something, you drop everything for me, right? Like, and if you mess it up, like, you gotta fix it and you gotta do it now. Like, I remember I had to sit down with someone and like say sorry because hurt their feelings and it was, it was my fault for sure. Well, that's actually, you know, a really, it's a really good lesson learned because, you know, let's say you're, uh, you're interviewing for a job, right? Not all companies are sales friendly, right? Some companies are more engineering centric. Some companies are more marketing and sales centric. Some companies sales really drive, you know, the company and the strategy and kind of the big picture and, and other companies it's engineering and sales is said, Hey, you know, go make it happen. So, you know, you have to know yourself, you have to know your style, you have to know your process, what, where you can fit. But, you know, and when you're interviewing for those types of jobs, it's a good thing to explore so you know what you're getting into. Uh, well, you go look at the, the C-suite. Who's the CEO and who's the COO? Because a lot of times that's a sales organization if those guys were previous CROs or VPs of sales, right? Because a lot of that is a path a lot of times. So then those are sales-driven organizations, or if that CEO is a product engineer from his past or, you know, it's uh, something along those lines, then it might be a little more operational, uh, more engineering based. And so that's, that is what I took from that company and, you know, the, the learnings and the failures, but also the successes there. I was like, okay, when I go interview for my next software sales job, what is it that I'm passionate about, right? Or, or know a lot about. And, you know, is this a true sales organization where I can dive in and they're going to support me 100%? And uh, that's what I did after that. And from there on, I was like all about building a brand. And I've, ever since I was in talk, well, ever since I've been in sales. So since, you know, last, well, when I left engineering, I was in a remote based sales world. I was never, well, I guess I was in office for about a year, but um, outside of that, it's been remote. So building your brand via remote is a lot different than being in an office for sure. I mean, you, you, you can't just send, you know, team chats or Slack messages snarky. Like people are going to read that the wrong way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you you got to do it differently. Yeah. So I definitely learned and, and taken that the rest of my career. It's been like, hey, Jesse's great to work with. Yes, I want to work with Jesse. Oh, a sales engineer wants to Jesse on the deal because he's going to come prepared, organized. He's going to be respectful. Like, so as long as you can take your, you know, your failures and turn them into positives, for sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, as a remote salesperson, and a lot of us are in the tech world, but it, you know, it's, it, important to remember that it's still a people business and it's still about relationships. And so one of the things I've always tried to do, I'm not perfect at it, but one of the things I've always tried to do is if I'm going back to the corporate office or going to like a regional office, I always try to set aside a little extra time on my trip to try to meet up with some of the people that are in the office because you know, it's not that often that you get face to face with them, maybe at the sales conference, right? Maybe a QBR, but it just doesn't happen that often. So when you can get them in the office, maybe get out and have a cup of coffee, go grab lunch with them. Uh, it completely changes the dynamics of the relationship you have with those uh, corporate resources. As we wrap it up, so you know, I was looking at your uh, your LinkedIn profile and I saw that you used to be a RAF guide for some nonprofit organizations. And I'm always impressed with just how generous 
really successful people are with giving back. But tell me a little bit about you know what you do to to give back, and you know, are you still rafting? Uh, I ironically, yes, I have a I have a piece of paper back here on the next raft trip that I was sending out this summer. So uh, that that is a passion driven by my father. So my father, also pretty much my hero. Um, but he, he does not come from sales by any means, but, uh, he, he has a background of giving back and drug and alcohol abuse counseling and all kinds of stuff. And so he actually, Travoy LLC is, um, his company and he's run that, you know, since well before I was alive. And, uh, he, so when I was young, I got to go and help out and, and volunteer whatnot. And then, um, as I got older, I just continued that, that trend. And so I still get to help him with a couple of raft trips a year, whether that's uh, a church group, uh, a uh, boys and girls club, or, or he, one of his favorite is taking mentally handicapped. So a lot of, a lot of people with down syndrome, he was one of the first, you know, he, he's been over on the street river. So my dad's in his seventies turned 74 this last month. So he's still rafting and 74 to give you perspective. He did his first Ironman at 50. And Ironman is a really big trap on if you don't know what that is or the, the listeners. So uh, he, needless to say, he's very active and he's 100% has the biggest heart and gives back. And I just learned it from him. And uh, when I told him when I was going to the sales, he said I was nuts. But you know, he, he thinks it's fine now. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, nice work. Well, Jesse, I really appreciate your time today. Nice getting to know you. Um, if uh, somebody would like to reach out to you, we'll have your LinkedIn connections in the show notes. Is that the best way or do you have another preferred way? Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn's probably the best. I could give an email, but quite frankly, everyone uh, messages via LinkedIn now anyway, and I'm pretty responsive there too. So if, if anyone wants to get a hold of, you know, hit me a, a direct message on LinkedIn and happy to respond. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.